you got to be healthy, but you got to be happy. Right. Like if you're having a Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, eat the pumpkin pie. Who cares? Right. Eat the pumpkin pie. Eat the turkey. Eat the extra rolls. Just don't do it year round. I've asked my wife that at the hospital. Like people that eat salads and nothing but salads and gluten free and all that stuff, do they still die like everybody else? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe sooner. Or later, later than the guy yeah. that eats a bunch of hamburgers. But the whole right. point is we're all going to eventually die. So <laughs> might as well die happy and fat. Welcome to Bay Floor Discussions with Ed Pinnell, John Morrison, Brian Cole, and Eric Field. All right, welcome back, everyone. Um, this is our fourth episode. It's going to be a Christmas episode, a holiday episode. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everyone. But uh, as I talked about the last episode, we uh, were in the middle of a big storm, and then we had another big one this week. So we got to talk about the obligatory topics for the fire department. Shovel out your hydrants. I know we don't have a ton of them in Casco. We have dry hydrants. But if you're in an area that has pressurized hydrants, go ahead. If they're right outside your house, clean them out for us or you know, ask us for some help. We'll clean them out. Also, clean your heating vents. To prevent CO poisoning. Right. 12 to 24 inches all the way around. Both your heating vent exhausts and your intakes. Correct. Make sure your house numbers are clear and visible so that responding emergency units can easily identify your address. That's all year round, but this time of year, make sure it's not covered in snow. Make sure the plow hasn't buried it or taken it off a tree or taken it off of your mailbox. If you have it on your mailbox, put it on both sides of your mailbox. Absolutely. Yeah. Big. Big, big letters. We're blind. So. And, and you, you know, if, um, if your driveway hasn't been plowed yet and you have to have emergency response, let the dispatchers know that it hasn't been plowed. That's a good point. You know, we can, uh, we can call in the troops if we have to, if it's a long driveway. You know, it's, it will make accommodations. Yep. So... Uh, along with that, let us know if there's uh, ice. You know, if you have a big hill and, you know, we're going to have a hard time getting in and out of it. Uh, same thing. We can make accommodations for that as well. Help us help you. Exactly. If we can't get to you, we can't help. So the other thing we have is uh, ice thickness. Uh, hard to believe that, I mean, a week ago we had open water and now we've got people out ice fishing. So Yeah. You have some numbers on that? You want numbers? I would love some numbers. Put some so put some actual okay. information let's in see. there. Give you some information. How about uh, let's see? Four inches of thickness is good for ice fishing and skating. Anything less, you should really avoid it. I don't know of any fish that's worth going into the freezing water, but that's just me. Uh, five to six inches uh, safe for snowmobiles or ATVs, and if you feel com and want to take your car out there, I wouldn't do it with less than 12 inches of ice. All right, so it is a holiday season, Ed. It is a holiday season, John. And this year is going to be real hard on a lot of people. Um, This is the time of year that people get together with friends and family. Uh, Obviously, this year it's it's going to be a little different. Uh, I still encourage everyone, if you can video chat with your family if you can call make any attempt to still connect with the people in your life keep them close uh, let them know that you're thinking about them uh, 
obviously it's not advised to visit and be together like you normally would. But uh, this time of year is really hard on a lot of people. For as good as things can get for some people, it can get that bad for, for somebody else. And uh, this time of year is is rough for some for some folks. That's true for us as well, and almost especially for us in uh, fire safety and uh, public service. We run into a lot of uh, a lot of unfortunate things this time of year because whenever somebody else is going through a bad time, that's that's generally when we get uh, called for. So, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, you know, do you agree with that? Is that something that that we run into, or I think uh, mental health it, it it always seems to creep up on people a lot worse around the holidays. You know, if they don't if they don't have loved ones anymore, or or it it, it can be any number of things that would trigger trigger some uh, issues for people, or a family member that you haven't seen in a while. You know, you, you meet them at a, a gathering and then it reflects back to a call that you were on that a patient was very similar to that age or that look or that mannerism or whatever, give you a little flashback. Yeah. And it's something we run into, um, you know, as people that are away from their families, uh, a lot of times on holidays we're working and we're out trying to, to help these people, so... It's something that can kind of sneak up on us when, when we do get a chance to be with our families or, or recognizing that we're not there. Yeah. It's so many times we're out there for the bad stuff and the bad times and we're trying to have a happy time and it's just hard with the, the work that we do. Yeah. And I mean, just in general, not even in this time of year around the holidays, but year long, um, for those of you that don't know, in this area, having a career department's not really common. So you have people that will work, you know, 40 plus hours at one department and then go work 40 plus hours at another department. And kind of like Chief said, just in general, it can it can sneak up on you. You don't realize it that you spent so much time elsewhere that your brain doesn't really open back to, to realize that something may be off. You don't give it a chance to reset. Right. Well, it's, it's accumulative, right? Um, stress builds up over time. And for especially for public safety, we don't have the healthiest of outlets to uh, disperse that, that stress. And sometimes when you go from work to home life, you can't really shut it off, especially if you're working two departments plus you're volunteering, you always have that radio off. So it's never off. You're always basically burning the candle at both ends holidays can be ex extremely stressful especially if you're you're working in public safety and you're always in that high alert high um what am i trying to say yeah alertness um, stressful yeah. high yeah high alert high stressful situation that's always on and it's hard to shut it off especially during the holidays with family gatherings. I mean, I know a lot of us don't like large gatherings because we've seen some awful stuff and that can set off some things. For sure. Yeah. And then it's, it's kind of hard to relate to people that aren't in this field because 
as a coping mechanism, we tend to uh, develop a dark sense of humor and joking around with your grandmother or your mother about certain things you've seen on the job, they just stare at you with a horrified look. <laughs> yeah. And they say, what is wrong with you? <laughs> it's, uh, it happens. It's difficult. I mean, like you said, we, or like we've said a million times, this job attracts a certain type of person, uh, a certain personality. And to people not in this trade, it, 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 can, it can be toxic. It can be toxic uh, because you're bringing that, that work home with you. One of the highest divorce rates. Mm. Yep. Yep. For sure. So what do you what do you do? Do you how do you approach a subject? You know, or if we knew that answer, we wouldn't have such a high occurrence of PTSD for a family member. You know, like try and have that open communication. Right. You know, it really is. It's it's difficult, and it's it's a hard thing to jump into because you can. You can recognize that trait and you can recognize that to a certain degree there's there's some normalcy there and then you have to recognize when it's gone too far right well i think it's funny if you look at a lot of the membership i've noticed especially several of us in this room right now that our significant others are in healthcare, or first responders or of some sort of the same level so we've found ourselves with our significant others in the same type of career field Career field, so, yeah, not mental disorder. <laughs> no, well, maybe no, very well. But what, but what I'm getting at is that we can go home and we can have these conversations, and the other person understands because either they were with you on that particular call, or they just understand because they're in the same career field. So I've noticed that a lot of the members kind of, what am I looking to, to say? That they kind of attach themselves to somebody that's very likeness, right? Yeah. To the the same realm. Right, so, so I mean, they have that, that open dialogue, and they can do it freely, and everybody gets understood. Versus, you know, some of my exes that you'd go back to the house and they'd ask you about the day, and you couldn't tell them because it just wasn't something they'd understand. So you have that open dialogue. I do. I mean, my my wife's a nurse practitioner for a for a trauma team at a, a local hospital, yeah. and she's a paramedic and she's a firefighter, and we belong to some of the same agencies. So, me, luckily, I have that chance to go home and have the open conversation. Yeah. And she also has that ability where well, before I never had that. What about well, you chief? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, um, prior to being here, I was a supervisor in Portland, nine one one. And, and, uh, that's where I met my, my wife now. Um, 19 years ago. She loved your sexy radio voice. She did. Because <laughs> nothing good about my face. So. <laughs> like, wow. See, mine's 50-50. I don't really talk about my job at work. I mean, at home. <laughs> you don't really talk about it a whole lot yeah. here either. Okay. I don't even talk about it. So you're one of the people that we need to sit down and talk right. with. Yeah. But I like, I kind of like that disconnect. I mean, it's little because, again, we're majority volunteer here and I respond to calls when I'm not on shift, so my radio is always on, but I generally try to leave that here and then my home life home. Right. Well, it's hard around, another thing I just thought of around the holidays too, is you always get people that are outside of this career field and the first thing they want to ask you or first thing they want to talk about is, oh, I bet you see some really terrible stuff. Oh, what's the worst thing thing you've ever seen? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I had a dentist ask me that one time. Yeah. I'm just like, so I was like, I don't five. know why dentists ask questions anyway. Right? Just See, and, and that, that question, that question doesn't bother me really. Other than the fact that I've seen so much stuff 
There isn't a worst. So I... They're all very much the same. It depends on what mood I'm in, because if, if I'm just like, really, I'll just let them know in detail. And they're yeah. like, oh, and I'm like, yes, now leave me alone and drill my tooth. <laughs> right. <laughs> then they're like, well, I guess uh, we'll put that in his file. Don't ask him about that stuff. <laughs> you know, and that's I mean, that is one of the worst questions. Oh, you must see some bad. What's the worst thing you saw? Uh, where do you want to start? Right. You know, like I. You will not sleep if I tell you some of the stuff that I've seen. 26 years. I've got a couple stories backed away. Yep. Well, it's weird, too. I mean, it's something that came up with uh, with the corona stuff that's going on. Is well, like, corona has added a whole well, new level. So, yes. But uh, what I was getting at was you want the, to talk the about people. Corona I really don't. I really, really don't. Um, but one of the first things that people say is like, oh, well, you signed up for that. Like, Well, yes. But it's kind of different circumstances. But in the same sense, like, I mean, I, I had an ex that I went to a call and unfortunately that person had passed away and I got back in my truck, took my gloves off, took a sip of coffee and went about my day. And she's like, well, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's what we do. It's unfortunate, yeah. but there was nothing we could do. And, you know, I'm not going to stop my day or what I'm doing because of my job. And we don't necessarily process it right then either. Right. We're more of a matter-of-factly group, you know? Right. The person's deceased, the person's deceased. Right. But then an hour later, two hours, two couple days years later. years after we've buried it deep inside. Right. All of a sudden compounded. something. All yeah. of a sudden something just triggers it, you know? So what do you guys think are, are some signs, signs and symptoms of when that's gone too far in someone? I mean, oh, there's so many. I mean... We see it here all the time. I can tell when somebody's getting burnt out, especially a specific somebody, just by their Facebook posts. Yeah. I could be like, and you know who I'm talking about. You could literally just be like, okay, that person is clearly burnt out and needs a break. Yeah. I mean, Facebook, as again, as awful and great as that is, gives, awful, you, gives, yeah. you, gives you a tool. I mean, you can, you can see that now instead of... Somebody else before might have been thinking something or acting a certain way, and right. they're not going to come out and right. say they, what they'll say on Facebook. They tend to be more truthful when they're hidden behind a screen and a keyboard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's that's kind of why Facebook is so successful. I think honestly, is that people can kind of act however they want and not be afraid of getting punched in the mouth. Yeah, like <laughs> keyboard heroes, right? Right. Yeah. I, so you know, what are what are some of the signs? What are some of the symptoms that that would trigger you to think, geez, maybe maybe we need to spend a little more time with them, or try and have a have a talk with them, or see if they'll open it up. I well, mean, you, can, you can offer it, yeah. but we're also the majority of us are Type A, and we're not going to tell you anyway. Right. right, and it's more of the hyper vigilance, the roller coaster of emotions, the quickly being set off and triggers. It's those are the most common things we see. Total disconnect. Yeah. Uh, they come in, do the job, leave, don't talk to anybody, don't yeah. really interact. They just do what they got to do. And I've, I've personally noticed that's more of a late sign. I mean, I see the more of the hypervigilance and the roller coaster of emotions first. Yeah. And the easily set off or upset about something simple. And then I'll see the disconnects. And the car, you know, the withdrawal. 
So how do you how do you address that though? I mean, like Chief said, it, it's difficult given our personality traits in a lot of ways. I mean, how, do you come right up to someone and say, "Hey, you, you know, we're worried about you"? Or well, the problem is we don't. Now, how do right. we start? Right. I have no idea. Now, what do you think's holding us back from doing that? The type A person, just our personalities and the way the culture of this career field. You think that's, that's no one just wants a, to be a stigma type as a, of thing? No one wants to be perceived as a wimp or a coward, right? To admit to it or to, to ask those questions? To admit it or ask for help. Uh, but at what point do you think it's it's never going to be on someone else? That, that sounds awful, but as, as co-workers and as members of, of an, a, a community, at what point do you feel any responsibility to, to, to talk to someone and say, hey, you know, you're you're acting a little different. Are you, are you okay? I mean, so that's a loaded question in itself. Are you okay? Is like such a blanket that you're never going to get an answer. It's yeah, it's all right. But uh, I mean, it, it. What's stopping anyone from asking anyone else? Uh, you know, what's going on? What's even? How are you? Is a, is a good well, way to do it. I mean, last weekend's presentation that we did, we were, we were talking about Mayday um, and when to call Mayday. And that stigma of, I don't want to call Mayday because the guys are going to give me a hard time at the station or, you know, I can't get myself out of what I got into. Um, and last weekend, we, it's really about having the conversation. You know, you talk about it. You train, you train Mayday all the time. You talk about Mayday all the time. So if you're in a bind... Why aren't you calling it? Right. The the days of having the you can't handle it is is not a reality. It really isn't. So what we really need to start doing is just once we start noting noticing those signs and symptoms is just start asking if they're okay. Right. Anything I can help you with, and so on. It's just we just don't. Right. I I don't know why we just don't. I mean, everyone in this room, I'm sure, have had one of their partners or coworkers um, commit suicide. I've had three. And hindsight being, you know, 2020, there were signs and symptoms. I just chose to ignore them. Right. So. It's, it's difficult because um, I think a lot of times we put that on, you know, that stigma of, of asking for help. But at a certain point, um, the, these people are, are so upset that they don't, they don't want to ask for help. You know, that's. Right. That's why I'm saying it, it's it's a or, balancing act that you don't you don't want to put the pressure on somebody else. You don't want to say it's my responsibility to take care of somebody else's well-being, but it is. I also think that at a certain point you need to you don't need to you you should be considerate of what's going on around you and and hope that somebody would be comfortable or you would be comfortable enough to approach somebody else right. and say, you know, what's what's going on. Well, I you know. Um, I did a little research on this and on the Mayo Clinic, they had a, have a good section on it. And uh, one of the numbers that they have is that, first of all, mental illness is not uncommon and about one in every five adults suffers from some level of mental illness or mental health. So, I mean, that's... That's significant. It is. Yeah. And there's nothing to be... For those of you I, not good I mean, at math, it's 20%. <laughs> and the 20% is on this podcast. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not... It's 
again, it's just one of those stigmas that I think everybody tries to fight some of their own demons themselves and, and they just don't reach out. Right. So if you, if you see something, if, if there's a red flag for you, either with a family member or a coworker, just ask them. Right. I think that you know? goes further than a lot of people think. Yeah. Right. Like what, when, um, after nine 11, what did Homeland security say? If you see, see something, something, say something. something. Right. So if you see, start seeing some cracks, just be like, is everything okay? I mean, they're going to deny it, but if you keep on them, eventually they may break down. Yeah. Right. But sure. I think even just the, the act. Of, sorry, I didn't want to. Read it. <laughs> oh no, no. I was, I was just going to note that that should be a training topic that we cover, along with like Brian was saying the maydays. He talked about maydays and that it's not, it's not good to not call them anymore. Call them and self rescue. And if you don't need them, then you can cancel them. We got to do these same sayings. We have to have a session with the whole room so everybody can identify the signs, the symptoms, and what to do, and and have that open forum. It should be. It should be a once a year annual thing, yep. I believe, or at least twice a year. That's yeah. a great point. I mean, we, we talk about training. We started this podcast as training and we focused on different aspects of training and how we don't train and we do nothing with mental or physical health. Yeah. You just want to, um, I've got some signs and symptoms I can just read down through. Yeah, sure. Quick. Absolutely. Uh, this is from that same Mayo Clinic, uh, paper that I read. Um, some some examples are feeling sad or down, confused thinking or re- reduced ability to concentrate, uh, excessive fears or worries. I think this is one that speaks more towards public safety is extreme feelings of guilt. If there was something that we couldn't do for that person, but Absolutely, yeah. you know, because you always beat yourself up after the fact, you know. Um, John said it earlier: the uh, mood changes, extreme highs and lows. Or the um, Eric, I think, uh, said it earlier. The uh, withdrawal from from either your coworkers or your friends or your family. Um, let's see, just go through a couple other. Um, some, if you notice uh, alcohol or, or drug use um, increase or, or concerning levels, you know day-to-day inability to cope with with just regular things you know something that is seemingly simple just tips a scale for you yeah that's what i was talking about those triggers that just set them off or also like you said it's accumulative so i mean it is it builds over time for sure but something else I, w- I wanted to say was you know we had talked about if you ask someone if they're okay and you know chances are they're going to say no and you can keep asking and hope that eventually they're going to break. But even just the act of asking is, is going to make someone feel better in a, a lot of times. For sure. And there's, there's, I mean, and we could probably talk about this for just as long as we could talk about COVID and every other thing. But know that there, there are resources out there for people to use. Um, well, I know Ed doesn't want to talk about it, but COVID has added a whole different level. And I mean, it has added that isolation yeah, for so sure. like you don't get that going out to out to eat or going to see family that disconnect that we were talking about from being um, on high alert to going home and just resting. You don't get that. It's always now you're isolated. Now you're dealing with all this stress by yourself. And on top of that, you're dealing with your patients, the increase in calls, 
the increase in regulations and all that is just compounding on people. I mean, we see it with our own people. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely taking effect whether they like to admit it or not. Yeah. I've done some stuff with the New England Fools, and they've had a gentleman come up named Jeff Dill. I think he's out of California. He runs the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, um, who specializes in this stuff, and he just specifically travels all around the U.S. talking about PTSD and suicides in public safety. Um, he's got a site on Facebook and all the place. I, I suggest you, if you get a chance, take a look at that. I've Send me the a, link, and I'll put it in this post. I will. I've, uh, I've been to a couple of his programs, and the man is absolutely excellent. He talks about all the signs and symptoms and different ways of... Basically, his goal is to open up this problem in the fire service and, and bring it to light, and the guy's excellent. So another resource, if you're going to add it to the link, uh, the All Clear Foundation, uh, it has... A resource that you can text it has a resource that you can call email so if you're not comfortable uh, going on a hotline and talking with someone for hours and hours or or, or you're just not comfortable talking to someone anyways I mean it's what people do now is to shoot a text there's right. there is actually a number that you can text well, and they will talk you through things via text the idea behind those hotlines is sometimes it's easier to talk to a complete stranger over the phone than it is your coworkers or your spouse or your family. Yeah. But that anonymity, um, right? Yes. That is a a website, a foundation that has multiple other resources, multiple hotlines and uh, branches to reach out to. Uh, so when Eric was talking, something that came to mind: um, PTSD. Uh, there's kind of a stigma behind that too. It's not always a firework setting someone off and like having war flashbacks. Uh, PTSD has opened up a much broader category uh, of like mental trauma, basically. That uh, it's not not always a trigger that's going to set off some wild reaction. It can be trouble sleeping. It can be, you know, honestly, a lot of the same signs and symptoms of the depression we were talking about. You know, trouble sleep, sleeping, irritability, uh, mood swings. Uh, there's, it's just, it's a lot bigger of an issue than it, than people thought it was a few years ago. So, uh, if you're, if you're experiencing any of those things, uh, there's multiple possible explanations for it. Uh, reach out and get the help that you need because it, it, it's out there. For sure. A couple local ones, um, 774-HELP. Uh, this Opportunity Alliance in Portland, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness is another one, um, and I believe two one one is actually a resource that they can they can help you if you're having a having a hard time with something. Um, if you just hit two on one on your phone, then then they can if they don't have the resources right there, they can get you a number, direct you where yep. you need to go, and in 24 hours a day. So I'll pick on you as chief of the department. If someone came to you and said, hey, I think I'm having a problem, are we equipped here in-house to, I know, I know obviously we don't have like an on-call psychologist or anything like that, but do you, do you have the resources available to say, look, we're gonna handle this, uh, you know, we're gonna, and start pointing them in directions? Yes, uh, we have resources. Um, the, the town is uh, insurance carrier also has uh, EAP, the Employee Assistance Program, which is available to everyone here. Um, it's not just a, if you're not full-time, you don't get 
the access to it, you you have that. Um, I and the the beautiful thing about EAP is, I just give you the phone number, and that's the last involvement I have. Unless, Do you like unless, that aspect of it? Unless the employee is asking for it, you know, if they want me to be involved, then I certainly will. Um, but it's again the the healthcare act and in right. protecting everyone's privacy. Um, and, and it, it's tough. Um, would you follow up with them just to see I, how they're doing? I would, but okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expand on it other than was that, was that, did they help you? Do you need something else? Um, I wish we could have more of a dialogue so I could follow through with it more. Um, but it's just, that's not the way it's set up. Right. So, um, but any, any resource that, that any employee needs, I will help them uh, get to where they need to be. I think that's important because I think, you know, if we have it here in Casco, majority of other departments or other towns or other employers also have some, some sort of program. So yeah. um, it's not always 100% on you to go out and find those resources. If you're having any trouble, uh, you can. there are people to reach out to in, in your organization, I'm sure of it. And John, back to your your question. No, I wish I I wish I could right. be more of um, a, a not not necessarily participant, but I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. I wish I, I could have more of an active role in in I making think sure you, that they're okay. Yeah, I think you can have like not in that process. You give them their number, but I remember a past chief with some difficult calls. He would hound me until I talked to him. And then I believe you would have shot me a couple messages on yeah. just some difficult calls until finally I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to talk to him so they leave me alone. This is being <laughs> well, hey, and you know what? That's fine. And it, it would work. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's a fine that, line. That's right. a fine line because if you hound that person too much, they well, may just shut you down right. altogether. Yeah, not and really just, hound. Tact. Well, okay. It's, <laughs> okay. it's 100% knowing your people. And it's right. something that um, I, I went over in my officer's class, but it didn't really hit home until actually just a few months ago when I was talking to Chief in West Paris. And uh, he was saying, you know, like some people you have to yell at. That's the way they react. If you don't yell at them, they think you're joking. They think you're, you don't care or whatever. When you yell that's when they realize you're serious. But then he looked at me and said, if I yell at you, I can expect to either get hit or you're going to walk away. <laughs> True. And he's like, there's some people that you need to joke with. And that's how they understand. That's how, that's how you're talking. Uh, because if you yell at them, they're going to get hurt. And if you talk at them, you know, too, too reserved and they think you don't care. So it's knowing your people, knowing who reacts and how they react to right. certain ways. For sure. Because, you know, some people, yeah, you hound them and they'll break. Some people you hound them and Hounding they'll walk away. Hounding was the wrong choice of words. Sorry. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but even if you worded it more correctly and, and said just persistence and kept kept after you, uh, persistently asking you and following up with you, same thing. Some people are not going to like the repetition. They're not going to like being asked the same question over and over again, they they will shut down and just say, no, they'll block your 
phone number or whatever. <laughs> Some people I, need that. But if you look at it from a leadership standpoint, I would rather have someone be irritated at me because Absolutely. I was making the offer. That's a good point. Than for me not to say anything and then something happened. Right. Yeah. And then we're burying them. Right. Yeah. So. Definitely. So, I mean, on top of that, I have um, physical health was, was something we actually, this summer, well, last summer at this point, wow, the year has just blurred with everything. Right. <laughs> this year doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, last year we tried to do uh, like a physical, not, not really exam, but... Uh, an assessment. An assessment, that was the word for it. It's, it's so hard to, we talked about this last podcast, to implement a new policy or a new procedure or something new. So we got, what, like maybe 60 people to do, 60% uh, of people to do it. Everybody else refused. It's, it's, it's hard to do, especially with physical standards. So we kind of jumped ahead, but um, what I wanted to talk about was uh, staying fit throughout the holidays. I, I wanted to kind of get off the, the mental train there for a second well both of them it's, they go it's, hand in hand right. absolutely uh this time of year especially where it gets dark out for the majority of the time um your body reacts different ways to things and um, there's been a ton of studies that show that some physical fitness actually helps you work all that stuff out and uh, a lot of times people will say you know wait wait till the new year's i'm gonna have a new year's resolution for it but um as firefighters and emts you know I think we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our communities to to be able to maintain some performance level. You owe it to your family. So you owe it to yourself. I mean, so it's a leading cause of firefighter fatalities. Cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest. Cardiac I think arrest. cancer has surpassed. It's coming. It. It's coming yeah. off. Um, physical and mental health go hand in hand, right? I mean, exercise. You releases those endorphins eating right you just feel better i mean i scoffed down cookies today and yeah, i no. feel like crap today <laughs> i mean you just you can i'm bringing this up because i've spent two weeks in a hotel room and it's right. been awful but, <laughs> well this time of year is awful i mean you yeah. got thanksgiving this, you got christmas you got new year's all it is is well you got snow food. and negative right fahrenheit weather wow. well that, you that too but you have all road. this food pile up front of you and then everybody's dropping off cards and cookies at the firehouse and right, thanks but for that's the not service necessarily a bad thing like i used to be gung-ho about working out i mean i you remember yeah. lifted heavy all the time lifting all the time i got to 210 pounds with less than five percent body fat and i Show just off. felt miserable like because that's all i was doing was eating clean which is awful and working out <laughs> So I was doing nothing else. You've got to leave room. You gotta you you gotta, you gotta stay be realistic. healthy, but you gotta be happy. Right. Like if you're having a Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, eat the pumpkin pie. Who cares? Right. Eat the pumpkin pie. Eat the turkey. Eat the extra rolls. Just don't do it year round. I've asked eat my wife that at the hospital. Like. People that eat salads and nothing but salads and gluten-free and all that stuff, do they still die like everybody else? <laughs> yeah. Maybe sooner or later, later than the guy yeah. that eats a bunch of hamburgers. But the whole right. point is we're all going to eventually die. So might as well die happy and fat. There's our intro. Nice. <laughs> nice. I like it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> die fat. All, no, that, all that darkness, we got to lighten it up a little bit. Here. Right. <laughs> no, but it, it's important. Um you know, well, we've, we've taken, 
it's hard to implement change, as we discovered. But we've taken steps. I mean, the chief has gotten us um, workout equipment, exercise equipment. We haven't make it, made it mandatory. The evaluations we haven't made mandatory. We've started putting people through just regular physicals. I mean, we're taking baby steps in the right direction, but it's, it's going to take a while to get people to buy in and get everybody on board. It's also harder in a, um, a call company or volunteer company right. because if you have people on shift, they have time to go down to that gym room, use that equipment. Right. How do you get somebody that's at home to come in on off night to use that stuff that's right. not necessarily here on a shift? Right. Right. You just have to let them know that it's available. Correct. Is, is it? Yeah, but I mean, getting them the enticement to actually get up off the couch and come down the station for an hour, pump a little weight, run a little bit, and go back home. Right. And that's just, I mean, tie, ties in really well with everything else we've talked about. It's all uh, community motivation. Well, I mean, there's two types of motivation. You can be internally motivated or externally motivated, but I think most people are externally motivated and require other people to, to push them to, to do right. something. It takes a lot of discipline to be internally motivated. Right. I mean, even I struggle. I get up and I know I have Rick Smith's um, CPAP prep program, and it, it is brutal. <laughs> and I wake up and I go, okay, I got to go hit the stairs. And I'm just like, I hate stairs. <laughs> now, would it be better if you had somebody with you? Even yes. though you might not be at the same Absolutely. pace, but isn't yep. it better as a group? Absolutely. So what if the department was to have like a a fitness night where you tried to get the guys to come in at a certain time that's off a training night off a meeting night and just have a fitness time where we, they know oh i'm not going to be the only one there we did kind of we did partner with a local gym um that person came in and ran fitness classes and we got what 10 people yeah well, 10 not, 15 people i'm not necessarily saying that formal i'm just saying just a night that you know that other people are going right. to be there at the same time i'm just well, saying that we we try to a similar concept to that and it, it worked out well i mean it just it tapered off fairly yeah quickly. It well it was only yeah on it was end. only like eight weeks long yeah. something like that you know, i think we're thinking of two different experiences but uh, yeah. from, well maybe it wasn't eight weeks long what was it well we did the the delta 12 that's what i'm talking yeah. about yeah which was that was difficult because that was all remote uh i don't remember anything being actually oh see i was medium. here yeah. And then we did some workouts and she came. Right. But about, I don't know, five years before that, we had actually had a gym night. Oh, yes. That yeah, worked we out well, that. too. We got we got quite a few people down there. But that trailed off pretty fast, it too. It did, so. yeah. And that, that was as simple as, like, two nights in a row didn't work out for people, and then all of a sudden, boom, no one was there. Right. <laughs> and that's all it takes with any workout routine, right. even individuals. Well, anyone is always looking for excuse to right. quit. It's hard. I mean, you're working. I mean, you're working out your damaging muscle. It's going to be a climb event. Okay. So it's a hard thing to do. So people don't like hard. They like easy. Well, it's it's something that you need to uh, you need to make as a routine. And what, what is it? It's like two months before something becomes a habit? It's, oh, that I don't know. But I know it's it's six months. It's about... I think it's 30 days before you notice a difference. And then I think it's 60 days before somebody else close to you that can know a difference. But it's about six months before your body starts changing and adapting. Yeah, that's, so. that's something I, didn't, I I was thinking more along the lines of uh, how long it takes you to, to, to not have that constant, oh, I don't want to go. Uh, I don't remember, honestly. I'd have I want to say it's like two months. 
Yeah. That's what I think it to was. To develop a routine, uh, develop a habit. Um, I don't remember what it was. Yeah. yeah. But the, the, Depends what the habit is. Some people can pick that up in days. Right. Well, I'm talking about a healthy habit. <laughs> Nothing with addictive so, substances. Something that you go out of your way to make a habit. I think it was. I think it was two months that you need to actively think of doing something that you don't want to do, before it becomes uh, a habit or uh, what's the other word for it? Uh, whatever. Not important. A habit. Uh, but I think the most important part was just to be realistic about it. You know, eating. Try and eat healthy. Uh, if you slip and go out to eat, uh, don't worry about it for when you're out with family and friends, and don't worry about it for holidays. Right. Enjoy that pumpkin pie <laughs> with extra whipped cream. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but be realistic with your workout goals, too. If you're working out for the first time in a long time, don't go five days a week. Go twice and then right. go three days or whatever. And don't go big or go home. No, no. Because the first time you're going to hurt something. All right. But, uh, I think that's all we have for this week. <laughs>